Welcome to Daily Daf Differently, a Jcast Network podcast. This daily podcast invites you to join us to study the Daily Talmud page with a variety of liberal rabbis and teachers. For more information about Daily Daf Differently, please visit jcastnetwork.org slash ddd. For more information about the other Jcast Network podcasts and blogs, please visit jcastnetwork.org. Welcome to Daily Daf Differently. I am David Greenstein, and we are studying Tractate Masechet Eruvin, Daf Pei Bet, page 82. This page continues examining views of Rabbi Yehuda, who had been mentioned in the previous uh, page, and brings the teachings of his from other areas of halacha, not directly related to Eruvin. The most interesting, perhaps, is the discussion of those who are disqualified from giving testimony in court. Uh, This discussion is more properly focused in Tractate Sanhedrin, but the general question has to do with gamblers. Is gambling to be considered a harmless pastime, just some fun pursuit, or is it considered a uh, hardcore antisocial activity and behavior, uh, which would then disqualify a person who engaged in uh, gambling from being a witness in a trial. That's a discussion for another time. Our page brings us to the end of the seventh parak, uh, the seventh chapter of Eruvin, and the beginning of the next chapter, chapter eight, which continues discussing the question of how to put together an Eruv. Specifically, the first Mishnah discusses Keitzad Mishtatfin Bitchumin. How does one create an Eruv uh, to allow a person to walk, to travel more than 2,000 cubits outside of a settled area? A person is to place the package of food at the spot which will determine his new place, so to speak, of dwelling. And he must declare that this is a package of food on behalf of all of the people in this town for the purposes of anyone who wishes to go either to comfort mourners, to the house of mourning, or to participate in the celebration uh, of a wedding feast, the Beit HaMishteh. The Talmud will extrapolate from this that one must have a purpose of doing a mitzvah in order to actually create an Eru. But let's focus for a second on the example or examples that the Mishnah chooses as examples of a mitzvah to be performed. We're talking about someone who, before Shabbat, is planning to walk on Shabbat in a direction of, according to our Mishnah, either a place of mourning or a place of celebration. Well, a place of celebration and wedding celebration, that's not very surprising. But we might ask ourselves why a person would be setting up the Eruv for the purposes of going to visit a mourner, when we know that the seven days of mourning are uh, held in abeyance uh, on Shabbat. A person who is uh, unfortunately suffering a loss of a uh, a close relative uh, sits shiva, sits seven days of mourning. They're supposed to stay home. And yet for Shabbat, they uh, leave their homes and are engaged in all kinds of observance of Shabbat uh, and not acts of public mourning, 
and we do not, in general, declare that a person is observing Shiva during that period. And yet, this Mishnah seems to say that it would be a mitzvah to set up an Eruv if the person's dwelling was very far away and you'd have to walk the extra half a mile in order to get to their home on Shabbat to comfort them and console them. The question of whether Shiva applies during a time of a Shabbat or holiday uh, is, a spe- is especially a sensitive one with holidays uh, themselves. Um, we know that the halacha determines that if a burial happens uh, close to a holiday, within the days before a holiday, once the holiday takes uh, effect, the Shiva period is canceled completely. And people are always puzzled by that uh, rule. What does it mean that a person shouldn't feel sad, shouldn't feel that they are mourning their loss? Can we really expect someone, just because it happens to be Passover, to all of a sudden stop feeling the way they feel? Similarly for Shabbat. Just because it's Shabbat, can we expect a person who has suffered the loss of a loved one to not feel sadness? Uh, Shouldn't they be extended all the sensitivity that a a bereft person deserves? I think that there's, a, uh, in general, a lack of understanding about what these rules mean. What our Mishnah signals is that it truly is a mitzvah to comfort the mourner even on Shabbat. What we need to differentiate between is one's personal feelings and the community response to those feelings. The community observance of a shiva is precisely that. The shiva we think of as a personal uh, uh, practice, but actually as a mandated practice, it is a practice that comes out of a sense of community where the entire community recognizes that there is a loss that has been suffered in our community and we need to acknowledge it and we need to support those who felt the loss loss most, most directly. But Shiva really does not mandate a particular emotional uh, state of mind or heart and it doesn't presume to tell anyone how to feel. In general, our tradition tries to be very careful about commanding or mandating feelings and instead tries to concentrate on deeds. So a person who, for instance, may not be sad about the passing of an immediate relative is still mandated to observe Shiva because the community itself sees this as the proper thing to do. There has been a loss of a member of the community. Shabbat as a communal day of rest, therefore cancels the community obligation to publicly mark this sad loss. Similarly, if Passover or Sukkot or one of the other festivals occurs, the community is called to rejoicing, the community is called to an observance of a historically significant moment in its own life, and therefore the public community-oriented observance of mourning is suspended. However, the personal needs of any particular mourner are still there, and the mandate that we are called upon from the Torah to be generous, sensitive, and loving to each other, love your neighbor as yourself, that commandment still applies. And even a thousand years ago, we have a record of a responsum from one of the great Ge'onim, one of the great 
leaders of the Jewish community in Babylonia, who particularly uh, uh, notes this uh, idea. And he says, even though mourning officially does not apply during a festival, the people and all of the relatives of the person who is in mourning must take care of the person who is in mourning, must sit with that person, even uh, sitting on the floor, and must comfort them, calm them down, so that this person should never feel isolated or alone. So that's our Mishnah's lesson, that it is a mitzvah, even on Shabbat, to comfort the mourners. The Talmudic discussion that follows on uh, 82a and then on to 82b mainly talks about relationships of family members, again, uh, who are involved in the Eruv. And the uh, Talmud mentions a particular uh, ruling about small children. And it says, Katanchi ben sheish yotzei be'eruv imal. A six-year-old uh, is included in the Eruv that his or her mother uh, would make on, on, uh, on Shabbat Eve. What this means is that this young child would be able to keep on walking beyond the limits of the Shabbat Tchum, the realm of permissible walking, with the placement of the Eruv that his or her mother uh, puts down. You might ask ourselves, what does this have to do with a small child? A small child is not obligated in mitzvot. The small child is not uh, subject to the prohibitions of walking too far uh, or not. A small child of six is not yet a bar or bat mitzvah, not yet someone who is responsible to adhere to the uh, commandments. And yet we've had before the recognition that the children were a central concern in the institution of Eruv. Earlier we had on AED-B the idea that we were concerned that children not forget how an Eruv is to be made and when an Eruv is to be made, and therefore we mandated the establishing of an Eruv even if there was also a Shituf Mavoy uh, that had been already been made. It seemed like it was double work, and yet the Mishnah tells us so that the children should not uh, forget about what an Eruv is. We make the Eruv anyway. The mitzvah here is the mitzvah of education, of involving the children in uh, learning how to grow up with this inculcated in them. The participation of children in an Eruv is beautifully told to us by a story in the Yerushalmi that I alluded to when we discussed the previous page. Rabbi Yeshua ben Levi says that we make an Eruv to increase peace in the world. And then the Talmud tells us a story of two women who did not get along. And one woman sent the Eruv to participate in uh, the community Eruv that was being collected. She sent her Eruv with her little child. And her little child was so cute that when her neighbor, who did not get along with her, was confronted with this little child who was bringing the package of food, she couldn't resist. And she said, oh, you're so sweet, you're so cute. And she gave him a hug and a kiss. When the child went back home, he or she reported to their mother that they had been greeted so nicely and so in such a friendly manner by this neighbor who apparently had been an enemy of theirs. 
And then the mother said, oh, I didn't know that she was so nice. And as a result, they made up. So this story is a story that the Talmud then says, this confirms the verse from Proverbs, The ways of the Torah are ways of pleasantness, and all of their pathways lead us to peace. I hope you've enjoyed today's episode of Daily Daf Differently, and that you'll join us again tomorrow for a new page. The music at the opening and close of this episode is Ufros from the Epic Horus album One Bead, available on Bandcamp, iTunes, and Spotify.